Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, as always. Where would I go? I named this thing after myself. Renee Dallow. I'm your host. <laughs> that always makes me laugh. I don't know if anyone else laughs, but I certainly laugh. I laugh. I think it's I funny. Laugh. Yeah, I am absolutely. here this week with the very handsome and, you know, really black and white, like a very retro look with James Christensen and Otto Schulze. Did I say it right? That's right. That'll do. We're going to go with it. You guys, everyone listening. A couple weeks ago, I sent out an email and I mentioned the engagement gap. And mm. like out of the thousands of people on my email list, I got like 50 responses that were like, the what? <laughs> and then I sent it to you guys and you were like, wait, what? <laughs> I thought everyone read this article, but I mean, let's review before we dive into your topic. Yeah, yeah a good one. Okay, so engagement gap, for those of you who did not listen to my episode before or read the New York Times or whatever it was in Wall Street Journal. Basically, y'all, we had a pandemic and people were not meeting so they did not start yeah. dating in the normal time frame that they would typically do. So engagement yeah. ring sales are down, which we're seeing trickle down to all other sectors. And just yeah. people aren't getting engaged right now. Have you guys seen that as well? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, we, ha we have. I mean, uh, you know, we, we a lot of people in our community are, are saying the same thing, like leads are down, weddings are down. We have not seen that per se. Um, we've seen leads have kept coming in, but yeah. People just seem to be taking longer to, yeah. to book, um, but definitely like across the industry, I, we have seen that slowdown. I mean, I guess yeah. it's the people that are, are getting married are the ones that have met on uh, social media, yes. right, or, or yeah. a dating yeah. app, which, which is like, like half the people. Yeah, I was right? going to say least... probably even more than half. Yeah, 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 yeah right. Well, but so I... that that would explain that twenty five percent drop. Yeah, like, yeah. the twenty five percent of the people who actually meet in person. They're holding out for that. I, that I think it's also just post-COVID, the market correcting itself a little bit. That's at play too, right? Because yeah. last year and the year before, it was like open season, anything. Yeah. Just pay it, book it, didn't matter. And I right. think some some sanity has come back into the equation. Like, wait a minute, how much? Right. Well, and also I think too, for at least in my, from my perspective, like with the folks that I coach, like some of the planners that I coach are quite new. And so their first year was the wedding boom year. And I'm like, oh, honey. It's actually not usually like that. So, sorry, right. you know. Anyway, That's actually, this all where you could just go to sleep and then wake up to ten inquiries. <laughs> You're and like, oh my god, I'm so popular, and it's like, no, there's just yeah. everyone wants to get married. Um, oh, but this all brings us to your topic, which is a topic I love. Um, we're talking about how moving into the luxury space and how mm. it can allow business owners to really recession-proof their business. And I got to tell you both. So much of this podcast over the last three years that we've done episodes has been devoted mm. to talking about the luxury market because people have so many questions and they mm. have there's so much, I think, myth and magic oh, yeah. and like, oh, it's shrouded in mystery. So tell yeah. us about how, you know, what your feeling is about the luxury market right now. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly a few common like myths around it, you know, horrible clients, difficult to deal with, unkind, I'm going to have to sell my soul to work for these people. And we have found none of this to be true, honestly, quite, quite the opposite. Like, That's amazing. Almost every event we go, man, these people are what a beautiful family, what a beautiful couple, like just um, they're just loaded, you know, that's really it. <laughs> but other than that, they're, they're lovely people and they 
understand the value of paying for what they want. Yeah. And this is what I want. I let them do their thing. And so it's a wonderful space to work in. It really is. Yeah, we actually just kind of stumbled onto this this idea that I I think that what people do is they equate celebrity and yeah. celebrity wedding with luxury, which certainly lots of celebrity weddings are luxury weddings, but that's a half a percent, yeah. half of one percent uh, yeah. of the weddings in the luxury space, and I think celebrity can be difficult to work with, right? Oh, yeah, you know, and for us that's what one percent, two percent of our weddings that we do is. is Right. Semi-celebrity or celebrity, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, and it that bears out that those typically are the yeah. more difficult. Not always, but not always. Often. But I was I would also because I live in LA, I work in LA. I would make the um, yeah. this is kind of a wild assertion, especially for people who don't who don't know celebrity stuff. But the 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 lower rung celebrity, the more difficult they are. Oh yeah, yeah. no, sure. and I I think that's the point because you know what happens? They've gone from nowhere, regular person to superstar. Yep. And so that, that right, it's like altitude sickness. It was too fast. Where if <laughs> you true. if you deal with the legacy families, the mega wealthy families, yeah, those kids don't know really. I mean, they know they're wealthy, but it's not a ramp up. It's just their norm. It's and normal. so what you have is just yep. Did their parents love them? Yes, they're nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so you know, I have a theory yeah. about this idea that like because you what you had said earlier, Otto, about like you have to sell your soul, and these people are horrible. So have you both watched the HBO show Secession? Yeah. Okay, I haven't finished it yet, so don't tell me the end. But um, we're, my husband and I are binging it now. And he said, my husband said something to me, because we grew up, I grew up pretty poor. He grew up really middle class. Yeah. And he said to me, we were watching season one, right, a couple of weeks ago. And he was like, wow, I these guys, they're, they're gross. I would not want to be like this. No, uh, I don't want to be rich. And I was like, first of all, I was like, bite your tongue. Of course you would be. <laughs> and then this is my theory. Shut your mouth. <laughs> shut, exactly. Shut your mouth. Don't manifest that. I think that the way media portrays ri- super rich folk, is purposely designed to make middle class and poor people and i'm using these terms guys don't don't fucking yeah. write me and be like you call people poor i'm just saying as far as income to make we those people feel better and yeah. not want that and not strive for that because oh god i would never want to be that gross meanwhile the reality is most super uber wealthy families i know are really lovely do they have their issues yeah but so does everybody yeah. else yeah. but they're not like evil demonic no. like like ooh, the end of the world like no these people are just they've worked hard and they like you said there's a different standard of what's normal to them yeah and, and that's the one thing that can be difficult right like if you had to pick something that's going to be difficult is the level of, of that standard right they're 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 accustomed to a certain level and like if it doesn't meet that and we you know since we've entered into luxury markets what eight years ago we ourselves feel have felt that no, we go to these five-star resort, sleep, spend the weekend, which we couldn't afford or wouldn't afford. Yeah. But now we go back to a, to a, a four-star. You're like, wait a minute. Oh yeah. What, what's going on here? What's right? And then people are like, the "You're so bougie." I'm like, "Well, I just got used to certain things." I was at a resort a couple of weeks ago, and this is a very female-centric statement, but like, there was no. Um, usually, there's like a black towel for and says makeup on it, like for to take off, like when you take off your makeup, yeah, so that you don't ruin like a beautifully white, clean yeah. towel. And, and I was, uh, I was up in Ventura doing like a fam trip, and we stayed at a very, it was very nice. And I just assumed that there would be a black. And I looked, I looked through all the towels. I was like, "Where's the black towel?" And then I realized, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not at the Four Seasons, yeah, and I need yeah. to like settle down. Me, who grew up with nothing. <laughs> Right. right. You get really yeah. used to nice things oh, when you're quick. around nice things. And yeah. I only want the red M&Ms. <laughs> Take all the rest out. I only want the super toxic red dye, please. 
everything yes. else yeah. is going. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we, yeah, totally. What about your own mindset, both of you, as you went to work in luxury? Like, how did that have to? Did you have to do some work there, or was it pretty natural for you? No, no. I mean, like you said already, like we we grew up nowhere near luxury. You know, I grew up in the bush in the middle of Africa, and he's from the woods in Washington. So we grew up very much lower middle class, you know. Um, and even in starting our business, one of the biggest movers for us over the last few years is realizing our buying psychology and our clients buying like on night and day. So no, we had to do a lot of work there. That's where a lot of the growth came from is going, oh, wait a minute, they buy different. Yeah, and, say more about that. What, how, how do they buy versus the way the rest, the rest of us do? I mean, it's easy, right? We all, all know how we buy. You see something and the first question is, how much money do I have? Can I buy it? Yeah. And so that's our process. You see something and before you can really like get into having it, you have to cross that hurdle of means. Now, remove that hurdle entirely. What are you left with? Just want. Do I want it? Yeah. And so that's the luxury buyer. It's not a matter of like, can I get it? It's like, what do I want? So the whole sales process becomes about creating want yeah. as opposed to going Macy's buy one, get one free. I'll package it for you. That doesn't work. Yeah, we were creating the problem ourselves, like, yeah. right, like even, uh, automatically and assuming that the price was going to be a problem, even though we hit in our head, we're like, okay, we're worth this. We're going to raise our price to, to this. And then our first instinct is like, oh, it's probably price. Mm -hmm. So that mindset has to change and, and you have to normalize to a new way of yeah. thinking to, to the point where you're just like, okay, I believe this. Yeah. Yeah. I believe and now I'm I can worthless. sell it. Yeah, that takes yeah. time. Do you think that your luxury clients, I don't want to say like, do they notice price, but because we said price isn't the deciding factor, like because things are so um, up, scaled up for them, right? If they were to look at a photography bid come in, that's $15,000, would they have any context for like what that means in the realm of other photographers? Do you know what I mean? So, some, yes. I mean, obviously, but I'd say few and far between very, you know, for the most part, our clients don't even know, I think what's being spent on the photographer, right? <laughs> right. Because well, an accountant is paying- not around either. Yeah, so again, and then the planner has presented them with two or three options. Yeah. And they're looking at the options, deciding whether they want it or not, right? Mm -hmm. So I realize very seldom they know how, what we cost. They're not gonna pay the bill. That's not the question for them. Um, yeah. Where we found this much more of a thing was in the premium market. So when we were maybe charging 10 to $20,000, so you're dealing with your doctors, your surgeons, those guys, they have money, lots of it, but not all of it. <laughs> right. And, and so that's the market that really not nickels and dimes, but they want a line item, right? They want to yeah. know what it's all being spent on. And you're like, yes, OK, What's yeah, the they'll price? pay for it. Right. It's like they'll go to the nice restaurant, the bull comes and they'll check it Yeah. where <laughs> your billionaire is not necessarily going to check it. It's just like, I'll pay it. Yeah. With exceptions. James. That makes me think, so, okay, so <laughs> I'm going to tell a story about my dad. And if he's listening to this, it's just a funny <laughs> story. So my father did very well, one, you know, in, in, in his life. And now he's retired. He lives in Portugal. When he was getting ready to move from, he lived in Greenwich, Connecticut, and they were getting ready to move to Portugal. I came to visit them. This was like a year yeah. ago. I was doing a speaking gig in Boston. I finagled it so I could take the train, go see him before they left the country. And we went out to lunch, this little bistro or whatever. And it... It didn't occur to me until this conversation, but I don't think my father had in years, decades, ever looked at what anything cost on any menu at all because he sat down to order lunch and he goes, oh, that looks good. That's $25. Yeah. And I was like, what is? He's like, the sushi bowl is $25. And I was like, 
yeah, that's a normal price for Connecticut. And he's like, oh, I guess I never looked. <laughs> My eyes bowled out. I was like, you've never looked? He's like, I don't know. We just, yeah. it is what it is. And now as he was going into retirement, he was had a little more in his head about it. But I think I thought about that. I. I relate it to my husband. I said, how funny is dad? And he's like, that's your dad because he's yeah. in that upper tier. Yeah. We're like a $25. He had no idea what it costs. So funny to me. Anyway, yeah. little no, anecdote sure. about, about the upper, the upper levels. Yeah. There. That's very interesting. No, but that was a huge lesson for us. It was one of the biggest changes in our minds. Like, wait a minute. We're selling to ourselves and we're poor. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> I mean, that's well, the whole thing, to, right? To, to speak to the kind of the normalization, what you're talking about, like for, for your dad, like he didn't check the price. Like, like I just spent the money, but like for us as photographers and people that are changing their prices, taking that time within your own self and within your own mindset to normalize, what does that feel like? What does that expectation look like? And then to understand if you if you go enough places like you, you mentioned uh, that's a normal price for Greenwich, Connecticut. We were just in the Hamptons last weekend, and came we went ordered a quick pizza because we were hungry. Our bill was ninety dollars for two like personal sized pizzas, <laughs> like forty five dollars a pizza for these uh -huh. tiny little yeah. pizzas. And we're like, oh right, good pizza. Right. Yeah, yeah, it was good pizza. Yeah, have but you ever had normal, the salad? That's normal like. Yeah, there's a salad at the at the Beverly Hills Hotel. There's a famous salad that's fifty dollars. Yeah, it's a beautiful salad. It's delicious. I love it. But fifty dollars, no. like, yeah. But that's but, you know, uh, Kim Kardashian has been spotted having lunch there. I'm sure she doesn't blink an eye at a fifty dollars salad. No, of course she doesn't. She doesn't even think about it because again, if you have a billion dollars, it's relative, right? Yeah. I'm just saying it it's is true. like if you. Us normal people, you're driving with your kids on the highway. Let's get some water. We stop. You buy the water. You don't go. Okay, what's in the savings account? What's in the checking? Can we buy? You just buy a water because you know you have enough for water. Yeah. And we just can't put our heads around this as regular people that with a billionaire buyer, that's it's even more crazy, actually. <laughs> it's like it's so far off the scale. And once you understand that, your whole sales approach changes. And even the way you value yourself changes because mm. now when they put, yeah, anyway, it's a whole shift. No, that's it's really true. And, and also, I love that you said billionaire because, uh, the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire, I think we sometimes, especially in the U.S., we interchange yeah. those words. You guys, yeah. Google it. Yeah. It's in, it's bananas what yeah. the difference that in scale that we're talking about between those yeah. two words, which <laughs> yeah. we can't even we can't we can't wrap yeah. our brains around it. Um, yeah. Okay, so talk to me about this recession proof by going into luxury because I know everyone's very worried about this recession that may or may not be happening. What's your what's your take on that? Do you feel like your business is a little bit recession proof because you deal with the Uber luxury? Yeah, I mean, it's along, along the lines of what we're talking about right now, right? Like, there's enough, right? They're not living in scarcity. So as a, a luxury client decides, like, hey, I want to get married. They're not going to be going, okay, let me look at what I have in the bank to decide if I can afford it. Now, they may adjust their budgets a bit here and there because their portfolio might be down 30%. And they're like, oh. I was going to pull the money out of that trust fund. My accountant is saying maybe next year is better uh, or, or we needed to reduce the budget from a million dollars or $2 million down to 700,000 or 1.5 million. It's not like I'm not going to get married, right? I'm just going to yeah. adjust for that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we have found across our businesses for over the last 20 years, you know, jumping into luxury, even back in 2008 with the with the housing crisis and that whole thing 
we did not experience a slowdown where many, many people did, but because we were serving a premium and luxury clientele, we didn't, we didn't experience it. That's wild. Have you read the book, The Psychology of Money? Hmm. I have not. I'm listening to it now on Audible. There's this really interesting thing that I heard, I literally just heard it yesterday. You said that and it sparked this in my brain. So um, they were talking in the book about just historically like the wealthiest families, right? And again, like how they are sort yeah. of immune. And there was this anecdote about JFK Jr. when he was running for president, he was asked about how his family fared during the Great Depression. And his response was, I didn't know about the Great Depression until I read about it in a textbook in school. <laughs> my family yeah. did quite well during those years. Yeah. And granted, this is none of us were alive then, right? But I thought about it and I thought, oh my God. I mean, granted, how honest of a politician that would never happen today. There would be some spun story about it. But just Mm. to hear that, to think, oh my gosh, this, the Kennedy family was protected from the Great Depression because of their circumstances. And the man who became our president had no actual knowledge of that time. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's the difference, right? Because I think for the middle market or the main people, like, a recession hits, a pandemic hits, it hits you immediately. You lose your job. You can't go to the office. You don't have a savings account or you have a small one. It's very quickly depleted. You're in trouble, crisis mode. Yeah. But during times like that, there's also immense opportunity. And see, the, the uber wealthy can utilize that and grow. That's why you hear these stories. Oh, during COVID, the top 10 wealthiest people's net worth grew. Yep. That's because they can utilize this. And go, oh, we have cash. We have flow. We can. And that's a big difference. Yeah, and what you said, Otto, is, about it is opportunity. Like, I don't look at that and go, oh, they're, they're, they're trying to cheat people and they're using this this no. opportunity to glom onto people no, who no. are struggling and get, get the most out of them. I, I see that as, man, they have the, the means and when their opportunity presents itself, they're able to yeah. go after it. And that's a mindset thing yeah. more than it is anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really true. I mean, even in my baby business, when the pandemic hit, I mean, we didn't, I don't know if I should say this, on, I'll say it, I'm very yeah. nice. We had yeah, a really were. good year in 2020 Yeah. because we we did we couldn't do weddings, but we did education. We launched a bundle, that bundle made a bajillion yeah. dollars for everyone, not just me, the educators as well. And it helped people and we helped, we got help, they, they everyone got helped, right? And I just yeah. felt like at the end of the year, I couldn't, I was like, oh, we actually were, we did okay this year. Like we had yeah. a good year. And it yeah. feels, it felt gross saying that back, back then, yeah, yeah. you know, it didn't want to, say that but now i can say you know we had a little breathing room and i think that's important to note in everyone's business as you're listening like you know yeah. upgrading your everything to attract a luxury market um yeah it, it, it isn't just help, helping you today it's helping you build something for years in the future yeah and you know what as i think about that like it again goes back to connecting with people because during COVID, when things were it was like march april may everybody's kind of uh, enjoying it walking hiking running yeah and then we slowly watch our industry people slowly just started to kind of sit down right? July. Yep. hold their hands and just go mm-hmm. we'll just wait for this to pass and we both saw opportunity we're like wait a minute everybody's at home let's reach out let's connect with people and i think that's that consequence the effect of that we're still seeing now so the last six months when it slowed down for everybody, it still flows for us because I feel like during that period of time when there was opportunity, yes, we, we capped, we said, okay, let's let's push it yeah. and let's reach out. Um, yeah. So for those listening who are not, not serving a luxury market, maybe they're not even serving premium, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, and they like what you're saying and they're like, yeah, I'm in, how do I do it? Um, I have my own theory on how to attract luxury, but I would like to hear what you think. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's a we we say this often. It it's a multi-layered approach, right? It's it's never just one thing. <clears throat> but yeah, if we had to pick one thing, I would say it's based on relationships and building relationships. Our entire business yeah. is built on building relationships. You know, look looking at those relationships as what can I do for you? Like, how can we support your yeah. business? How can we get you more influence? How can we get you more opportunity? Um, that's how yeah. we approach all the relationships that we have um, from from yeah. the beginning. And I, I think that uh, more than anything is, is the thing that has led to our success. Yeah. But yeah, bring, bringing value beyond the obvious, right? Like she made that example, gave the example earlier with the Four Seasons or the, the little towel. That anyway, but this is my point. It's like a small thing like that is there and it elevates it just lets you know that this is beyond just the norm i yeah. remember the first time we stayed at an amon property when we arrived the entire staff from the gardeners to the management everybody was there to greet us and in my mind that elevated amon about four seasons i was yeah. like "Ooh, that's nice and so yeah. for us it's in every relationship we look for that point okay we're photographers fine that's obvious that's a given where can we bring value to you beyond that as a planner mm -hmm. as a designer as a whoever I, th I think as long as you ask those questions um, sincerely, you'll find success, honestly. Yeah, mm. I love that. I, I, I would also the... add to you kind of, I don't know, I, we kind of went around your question instead of actually answering the question. No, that's okay. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I guess I was just thinking, going back to this idea of, of mindset, so many, at least we, we know photography, videography world, right? And I assume this is often true for wedding planners and the rest of the industry as well that so often we look at it and we go, okay, I've got the work has got to get better. Like, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to focus on making sure that my fit, I'm going to be the greatest photographer in the world. I'm going to spend all of my time on Facebook forums and giving myself education on how do I become a better photographer? And what we realized, what Otto was just saying is like, oftentimes it's the value that, that, that isn't necessarily about the photography is the thing that brings the most value um, and, and what actually will get you into a space, right? Because if you spend all of your time just trying to be a better photographer, but never reach out to a luxury planner or spend any time marketing or time and becoming a better at sales at business in general, you know what you're going to be is a really great photographer with no clients. And, and, and that yeah. it's really will true. always be true for most artists, right? Yeah. I'm really great. Yeah. And we always say like good and great photography is, is a given, right? You have to, if you're going to call yourself a professional, a, you should be a good photographer. If you're going to try to jump into the yeah. luxury space, you should be a great photographer, but there's thousands and thousands of great photographers that aren't in the space because they're just at home working on their, their work instead of working on their business yeah. and getting better and, and networking and getting better, growing a stronger business. I think that's 100% true. My follow-up question to that is how important do you think it is to have like a hook or like a niche, you know, like there are some photographers who like, they want that one epic shot or some people really love like natural landscape. You know what I mean? Like we know all these photographers who have like the one thing. How important is that? Do you think? I mean, I, I think that <clears throat> that's something that you could use as a hook in marketing. I don't know how important that is necessarily to the luxury client. Yeah. I think ultimately, if you go into that call and you can connect to them, if you're connected to the planner, you're going you're to get the referral in the meeting. And if you can in that call 
listen to them and tell their story back to them, I think that's far more valuable than, I think the unique style will grab attention, mm. but ultimately again, it's connecting with that person that's gonna be the biggest biggest ROI. Yeah, so I, yeah I don't know. James, what do you think? Well, I, I guess uh, as I think about listening to you talk about it, like that brand message, having a strong and compelling brand message that actually moves people yeah. is, probably pretty important just to get that first initial yeah. call yeah because right? then we can connect then we, but but having somebody actually want to actually pick up the phone or reach out to you to go okay let's look into this that brand message needs to be compelling and it needs to be simple and quick to to grab onto yeah, um, yeah. and what we see How often important. at least in the photography world is the messages the images even the website the design over and over and over and over and over is the exact same thing yeah I grew up with a camera. Like I started picking pictures at five, and I I've been doing it my whole life. And I mean that that's the bio that mm -hmm. you're gonna find on ninety percent. Mm -hmm. And I don't want it to, to come off like oh, but but people just aren't digging deep enough into yeah. okay, thinking from the client's perspective. What is it that I want? Right. I want to be moved. I want to feel something when I look at imagery. Yeah. Um, and if I'm looking at the website, it looks exactly like the last five that I just looked at. Like. Why do I want to reach out to this person versus the last five? Yeah. So copy needs to be compelling. Imagery has to be compelling. And all of that goes into that brand messaging. Yeah. I love That's that you so said important. that about the bio. I'm, I'm forever raging uh, on wedding planners for writing. I, I'm a wedding planner because I love weddings. I'm like, yeah. That's not nearly enough, y'all. Go do better. Like dig deeper. I hope so, right? You hope yeah. that they love weddings. That, yeah. that's, that should be a it's given. It's too again. fucking hard. If you don't love weddings, go do something else. This job is too tough. Like, yeah. promise. Um, I have a theory about luxury wedding planners uh, mm. in that in order for us to connect with our clients, we have to really understand their lives, right? We have to understand where they have lunch, where they shop, yeah. what art is in their home, you know, um, how a country club works. Yeah, <laughs> little growing up in Brooklyn, poor Renee had never been in a country yeah. club for my first country club client. I didn't realize I couldn't pay for anything on my own at a country club. You can't, guys. It's house bills. And and the egg on my face when that moment came, I tried to pay for lunch. <laughs> these are these are things that are they seem they seem inconsequential, right? But it signals to the client they don't know your world. Yeah, yeah. Totally. how important is that as photographers? Do you think? Have you had those moments? Tell me, I'm not alone. Tell me, I'm not alone. No, no, that, that's huge. <laughs> I think that's most of the game, right? It's like we're pattern-seeking animals. So, a break like that, the client's not sitting there watching you necessarily, but it's a subconscious break. Yeah, little things in behavior, and so no, that's huge. We're very aware of that from the moment we're on a call with somebody, a Zoom, or walk into a welcome party. We're watching everybody and very aware of that. Um, I think that's one of the biggest skills we have. And I think in the luxury space, it serves you even more than good photography. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and Renee, you're not alone. I, I remember it's been a few years now, but I remember, I, fortunately I had been already been hired, but I, I met a client at, at the country, at the yacht club for, for lunch or for dinner. It was dinner. And I walked in and the, the <laughs> maitre d' is like, sir, you need a jacket. Like, I didn't have, a, I didn't oh. have a jacket. And so they, you know, yeah. they provide one for you that was five sizes too big. I mean, it's obviously, 
Yeah. Here's the rental coat for you. Cloak yeah. of shame. Who doesn't yeah. know what you're yeah. talking about? So, yes, I've experienced that. Unfortunately. Thankfully, that was like a decade ago. It was my first year. I made so many, when I first started moving into luxury, I made so many little mistakes like that or like things that I mm. thought, like for women, it's all about the handbags and the and the shoes and everything. So I was like proudly carrying my Kate Spade handbag. <laughs> yeah. And my client was like, oh, that's so cute. Where did you where did you get that? And I was like, oh, it's a Kate Spade, as if I was saying it's a Chanel, right? And yeah. she was like, oh, that's so cute. And I left, yeah. and I, later that night when I replayed the conversation, I was like, oh, that's so cute. And then I realized, yeah. of course, these women are carrying handbags that are $5,000 and my like $200 purse was like very impressive. Oh, I up-leveled, yeah. I figured it out. But sometimes it takes you a little bit of stumbling to get there, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And you got to step into the space, right? And start familiarizing yourself with it. And it's not as, I think for somebody that hasn't been in the space, all, all of this can even sound intimidating. Like oh, a big, it's or it not, sounds like we're so arrogant, but I'm like, yeah, no, this, these no. are real things that happened. Like real things. And, it and they're way more, yeah, way more easy and negotiable than you think. Like not, not big deal. Yeah. 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 Learning about deal. art was my big thing when I, when I was mm. coming up, I had to learn, like so many of my clients had beautiful art in their home. And instead of me walking in and going, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. I would really quickly try to figure out who is that, which is that, is that Kandinsky? Yeah. What is that Kandinsky? And I would really, and sometimes I would take like very stealth photos and like research later so that next time I showed up at their home, I would have something yeah. intelligent to say and not just like, yeah. that's so cool. Because yeah. that's yeah. not really, yeah, like, the that colors. doesn't really add. Yeah, Isn't so colorful. Nice? So many yeah. brush strokes. Look at, look at the horsey in the back. <laughs> <laughs> And the chicken. It's so big. How did, yeah. how did you get it? So how did you get it in the house? Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Well, and all of it, you know, it's interesting, all of this, because we get this pushback, you know, some from our community is like, oh, so you have to like, change your values and who you are in order to enter into the luxury market. Not at all. And we are always saying like, no, that's not, that's not what we're talking about here. You know, mm -hmm. imagine you're going to go to a big corporation for, for an interview. Like, what would you wear? You're going to go in a suit or yes. in, a, in a business suit. You're going to dress and act differently than you would with your buddies on the golf course or at home in the barbecue, right? It, it, and that's sometimes you just have to learn what those things are for different groups of people. How how is it that I need mm -hmm. to present? Yes, is that different than I normally yeah. present? Yes, but it's part of the job. Am I changing my values as a person and as a human being? No, not at all. No, no. And like, after ten I'm years, we can confidently say we've never done that. So. So say right. again. It's like, not, I'm not saying, let me take a luxury client who is, you know, the antithesis of everything I believe in just so I can get paid. No. But if I get to learn about some fine art and nice restaurants and, um, yeah. and, and fashion, like the learning about fashion, like the watching of the fashion shows every year online, of course, is fascinating for me. Hmm. It's like, it, it actually makes me a more well-rounded human. No, it's incredible. Clients. No, you know what? I thought of fashion, especially high-end fashion for years is frivolous nonsense. Poor kid. I'm like... Oh, $10,000 for a coat. That's ridiculous, you know, and make fun of it. And then I went to a Dior show with my daughters <gasps> and it blew my mind. I was like, art, art. through and through, yes. like next level. Like there's no number you can name for the skirt that's not worth it. Like yeah. it's exquisite. Oh, I'm so I'm jealous like, oh, of okay. you to go in person. I was just ignorant and you make yes. fun of things in ignorance. You, you do. Yeah, yeah, I'm 100% with you. So talk to me a little bit about Sage Journeys. Yeah, so I mean, what, what, what this started? This this started quite a while ago. Um, what three years ago that we decided, you know what, we've talked to enough people, mentored pe enough people through. Let's do this on a, on a larger scale. And so we we what we've decided to do here is luxury, 
there isn't a, a course or education specifically on for photographers or people in the wedding industry on how to get into the luxury space. Yeah. And so we just decided, look, we're going to show people exactly what we've done over the last eight, nine, 10 years to get into this space and to succeed at this space. We made all sorts of mistakes, right? It took us a long time to learn it by trial and error. Our, our philosophy is, is like fail often and fail fast and try to get, you know, get all that behind you and get all that experience so that you can actually make good decisions. And we just said, let's, let's share this. Um, I'm a former teacher, high school teacher, nice. photography teacher. And so it kind of combines for me, it kind of combines this love for photography with the love for teaching. Um, and, and Sage was born. And so we have a course that is what auto about 15 hours of content. Uh, we have a community that goes with that course. We also have a free community, uh, the business of luxury weddings. Um, that's a good community because we have planners, we have photographers, videographers, yeah. makeup artists. We have all sorts of wedding all, industry yeah. people in there. And people at all kinds of levels in their business, right? From starting out to, to right at the top, um, a nice range, you know? Yeah, I'm going to join the community, but I'll also put it oh. in the show notes so everyone can know how to find it. Um, Approved. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. Um, we've been really focusing on self-care this year. Um, mm -hmm. It's one of the things that I'm really sort of turning my lens to as, you know, 2023 started. <laughs> I realized I've realized this for a while. Right. But like wedding pros specifically, like we're so good at taking care of our clients. And mm -hmm. I think it goes without saying most mo many of us, all of us hopefully are excellent at our jobs. But generally speaking, we really suck at taking care of ourselves. Yeah. So I've been asking all of my guests and I'd love to ask the two of you now. Um, what is like one little thing you do or big thing that you do for your self-care that you really couldn't do without? Yeah, it's fine. I'm going to do the one thing right after this podcast, and that's I, I, run, I run trails. Nice. So every day I'll work a few hours and then I'll go out and run for an hour at least, just get on the trails. It, yeah. It's the only thing that allows my brain to stop. Because mm -hmm. I can be in the gym and do other things and still my brain is running through emails. When I'm running, I'm just like, it's hot. <laughs> I live in Mexico. <laughs> um, and and the outside, being outside is very therapeutic as well. Oh, no, it's huge. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a meditation for me. Yeah. yeah. No, so I would say... Yeah, running more than anything. I love it. What about you, James? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm big in the outdoors as well, on a bike all the time. But I think going to the gym, just health in general. I know once my kids were past the crazy stage of like high maintenance, like past five, I was able to kind of shift my my focus back to health in general, like sleep, going to the gym regularly. Sleep. It's a physical job, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not getting any younger, so. So to work a 12 hour day running, lifting like all day long, like it's just been an immense bump Huge for me to be able to just like do that day and not feel it at all. Yeah. yeah. Versus, yeah. you know, I used to go, even when I was back when I was 10 years ago, I was 40 and like doing that job and I would be tanked for days afterwards just yeah. trying to recover. And I, the recovery is hours now. So that's really no, good. I, I, I shot weddings for many years, like almost 60 pounds heavier than I am now. And I can. Oh, wow. It makes a huge difference. Yeah, <laughs> you can feel on it. Your joints on everything, yeah. All yeah. of it, yeah. Yeah, I just turned forty-seven, 
last week, two weeks ago. My God. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And uh, yeah, I notice every, with every passing year, the 15 hour wedding day gets a little more yeah. punitive. You know, it feels like, why did I yeah. choose this? But uh, yeah, I love that you mentioned sleep because sleep is one of the things I wear this aura ring. It like tracks my sleep and everything. Yeah. And uh, I'm now a little bit obsessed with like how much sleep I'm getting, the quality of the sleep. Like if I go to bed mm. a little earlier, if I do something a little different, like how can I sort of game it and hack it? Cause it really, I'm a person who needs, we're all people that need sleep. Oh, no doubt. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's our biggest performance booster and detractor, sleep, 100%. Because you can go to the gym, you can do all of these things. If you're not sleeping, nothing will work. Yeah. That's true. Nothing. Mm. You lose your mind. You yeah. just slowly go crazy. A little, yeah. And you don't know why. You're like, why is everything <laughs> miserable? And you're like, well, yeah, why do I, I hate everybody? You slept four hours last night, so maybe you should yeah. take a nap. Um, yeah. Bonus question that I just thought of, but if so, I'm just going to throw it at you. But um, what has been your biggest mindset shift or mindset work? Hmm. I know I threw this one out. I surprised you. We can also cut it out if you don't want to answer. No, no, no. I, I love this. I love this question. For, for me, I, I have this saying on the wall uh, by M Nelson Mandela. It's, it hangs in our living room because I want my boys to have this mindset as well. Um, but the, the quote is, it always seems impossible to, until it's done. And just this idea of living in possibility and thinking uh, most people, when you think about have an idea or, or think about doing something, you think of all the reasons why it's not possible, right? You, you think of reason, you, you come up with problems instead of solutions. But if you have this mindset of possibility, your, your mind will immediately go to solution. And then, you know, so you, you might come up with a solution that you don't want to do, but almost <laughs> always you can find a, 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 a solution that will make something possible. Yeah. And you just got to find the will to make, you know, to be willing to do it. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Otto, what about you? Um, I think, you know, for me, like as an artist, I probably like an imposter syndrome. Mm. Like, to like I had that for a very long time. It's only in the last few years that I've kind of gotten to this place of going, now I've put in my hours. I am this, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> I can stand tall in it. And that, that was, that's a huge difference, you know? Yeah, that's, that's um, a I huge thing. Yeah, because I kind of had to convince myself of that, you know, like, no, wait a minute. Yeah. And that took years. It's this Jordan Peterson quote that says, love him or hate him, but confidence comes from competence. Yes. 100%. And competence takes time. <laughs> I'll also say this too. One of my, um, one of my coaching clients and I had this really deep dive a couple of months ago because she came to me and said, I'm so bored. I'm so bored with my job. Does that mean I need to quit? Do I need to sell my business? And, you know, we talked about it for a while and we dug in and we just both came to that, like, you've been doing this for like 13 years. You're just yeah. insanely competent. You're bored because it's easy now. Yeah. It's allowed to be easy, actually. Find growth. Yeah. Find new ways to grow. Well, it's interesting you mention that because that zone, that uncomfortable zone, that's the growth. Yeah. It's like the same with weightlifting. If you go to the gym and you're on your phone, you're not pushing it hard enough. Like one of my favorite um, ultra runners, she runs like 100, 200 mile races. She talks about the pain cave. And every ultra runner hits this at some point where it's like, you can't bullshit yourself out of it anymore. This just, it's horrible. Right. Yeah. And so most mm -hmm. people, when they hit that, you kind of recoil, you pull away. They hate it. They, they want to get there and get through it. She's come to like, she looks for it. She says on her runs, she looks for the pain cave because she says the, the, mo the moment she hits it, she knows, okay, this is why we're here. This is the work. This is why I win the race. This is where wow. all my training, where I'm going to win the race, you know, so look for that. Oof. That's the zone. Look for the pain. Yeah, I know. <laughs> My gosh. I mean, I know it's true, but yeah. I, but I do fear that like 
50% of the time, I'm the person who's going like, oh, it hurts. I don't want to do it. Apparently. I don't want it. Well, it's t Tony Robbins is the guy. He says progress equals happiness. Like, so if you're growing, you're going to be happy. Yeah. That's a tough one to sit with. I'm sitting, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about that on my run now. Yeah, we'll give, we'll give you food for thought. That's um, problematic, potentially. Gentlemen, this was a delightful, delightful conversation. Thank you so much for yeah, being right. here with me. Um, Thanks, where yeah, can right. all the folks find you on the internet? Where are you? Yeah, you can find us. Um, our website is www.sagejourney.co. Mm -hmm. And on Facebook, you can find us at The Business of Luxury Weddings. So if you Ooh. just search for The Business of Luxury Weddings, you'll find our group. I'll put both of yeah. those in the show notes. What are you on Instagram or TikTok? Sagejourney.co on Instagram. Great. Yeah. We're too old for TikTok. Too way too old. <laughs> and that's just on the education education side, the photography side, jamesandschulze.com and James and Schulze on Instagram. That's us. Perfect. I'll put all that in the show notes. So if you're driving and you're like, I can't, just you can get it later. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry, guys. Perfect. Thank you again for being here. Thank you, Renee. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Anytime. Uh, listeners, thank you for spending your time with us today. You know what I'm going to say. Your time is the only thing you cannot make any more of. And so I'm always very grateful that you spent it with us. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Adios. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast. And connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.